0: What's up, everybody? I know we have covered a lot of information so far in our study of Revelation, and we still have a decent amount yet to unravel. Once we finish our study, I will do one final podcast in regards to Revelation, where I will lay out the main events of the timeline from start to finish so that we can walk away with some clarity about the events that this book covers and how they're laid out. That being said, it is important to note that chapter 15 brings us out of the events of the mid-tribulation and takes us into the last year, or more precisely, the last six months, roughly, uh, before Christ returns. Chapter 16 will serve as a backdrop for what we will cover in chapters 17 and 18. Now, chapters 16 through 19, in general, will help fill in some details and tie up some loose ends from what we have covered so far uh, in our study. As we pick up with the beginning of chapter 16, it is important to note that chapter that in chapter 16 you will see all seven bowls poured out, completing God's judgment. But it is done to set the backdrop for the next couple of chapters. So quickly in one chapter you see all of God's all of God's judgment, all the bowls of wrath are poured out and God's judgment is brought to completion, but we don't see or we don't really discuss the return and reign of Christ until chapter 20. That seems to be a common approach to how this book is laid out. John will paint a picture giving you a series of events that will take place, blocking out a portion uh, of the timeline, and then in the information that follows, he will fill in some details relevant to what is happening during that block of time. Chapter 16 begins with the command from God instructing the seven angels to go and pour out his final judgment on the earth. These judgments are intense and are very very much focused on those who followed the beast and took his mark. These bowls filled with God's wrath will be like nothing the world has seen before or will ever see again. You will see that God is consistent with his methods and repeatedly uses similar events to exact his judgment. You will also see the striking similarity and references to the plagues of Egypt and the Exodus. The, The thing about God's consistency is that there is no mistaking who is doing it. And that is the point. God wants them to know that it's Him. Once again, who would recognize the significance of these judgments and their similarity to the Exodus from Egypt? Israel would. The Jews holding out in Israel that have not yet believed, the ones holding to the law, they would recognize it for sure. They would know that it's God's hand. God is punishing the wicked, but He is speaking to to His people, Israel. So remember that you know. Remember they have not accepted the mark, and therefore not doomed eternally yet. Those who have made it this far are likely hunkered down in or around Jerusalem. Okay, let's see how these bowls of wrath uh, bring God's judgment to the wicked. Verse 2. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land. and ugly, festering sores uh, broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. So, right out of the gate, John lets us know that these judgments are focused on the wicked, unrepentant followers of the beast. Those who took the mark... um, and who worship this false image and this false god, you know, the Antichrist, they will be singled out by God's judgment. The the angel pours out his bowl on the land, causing terrible sores to break out on the followers of the beast, and these sores will make their life miserable. This is much like the plague of boils that God poured out on the Egyptians before uh, the Exodus. The Egyptians held God's people captive and punished them you know and God punished them should i say so the egyptians held God's people captive and you know they were treated as slaves and they were not and they wouldn't let them go so God punished them these followers of the beast are doing the same here and God punishes them just like the, he did with the egyptians now for the second angel verse 3 says the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea and it turned into blood like that of a dead person and every living thing in the sea died. So once again, we see God repeating the judgment that he poured out in part earlier um, in chapter eight when he turned one third of the water to blood, one third of the uh, ocean turned into blood. So He this is similar to that judgment in, in part earlier. He only did part of the ocean that way. He only turned part of the water into blood and, um, but this time he's going to turn the entire ocean, all of the sea into blood. You know, God did something very similar through Moses when he turned the water into blood as a sign and, and a punishment for Egypt, uh, for them not, you know, for them refusing to let, um, the Israelites go this time, however, though, it's way more intense because it kills every living thing in the sea, all sea life or ocean life is now dead because The entire ocean worldwide is nothing but blood. That means all those creatures will be floating, in in the oceans, rotting and decaying, and that will fill the air with an ungodly smell. Um, That also means that there will be no way to navigate the waters, and there will be the oceans, and there will be no food to harvest from the sea. You know, all the resources that they would get from the ocean gone. This will also disrupt the ecosystem severely. Rain will come to a halt, crops or plant life won't grow. Uh, Everything will begin to wither and die. Man will run out of food along with any other useful product that is uh, made from from plant life. Something else that I found interesting here is, is the phrase, like a dead person. John says that the water becomes blood like a dead person. It is easy to pass right over that and not get the full picture. But blood after death begins to clot and become thick and, and gooey, so to speak. You know, it won't flow like water does or like the blood does. You know, in a person who's alive, and the oceans will become still and like quicksand uh, with no current. The smell of blood and rotting flesh will be overwhelming, to say the least. The Third Angel does the same thing to all the fresh water, the rivers, springs, etc, making it so that there is no fresh water left on the planet. You know, so this third angel turns all the fresh water to blood, that of course means all the food and resources that man gets from the fresh water will be destroyed as well, and the land animals will die without water, which means. Man will have no food sources and no fresh water to drink. On top of that, all the decay and rotting animals and sea life, that's got to be awful. I don't know about you, but I can't even fathom what this amount of devastation would, would look like. Earlier in God's judgment, if you remember, he caused one third of the fresh water to become bitter, causing those who drank it to die, and now he renders all fresh water useless. So why the blood? Why so much blood? Why does God in in this judgment turn all water from ocean water, sea water, to fresh water? All of it gets turned into blood. Well, the third angel also clarifies that for us as well in verses 5 through 6. It says, Then I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, You are just in these judgments, O holy one, you who are and who were. For they have shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. This lets us know that the third angel, number one, is in charge of the waters and is most likely the same one who turned the the water and made it bitter earlier in Revelation. But nonetheless, he lets us know the reason for all this blood, and it represents the blood of God's people and prophets. You know, everyone who belonged to God, whose blood was spilled because of God's enemies, those enemies will now only have blood to drink. You know, I mean, it's in this case, it's, it's blood for blood, so to speak. So, and you know what's cool, though, is, is in Numbers 35, 33, it states, You shall not pollute the land in which you live, for blood pollutes the land, and no atonement can be made for the land. Uh, for the blood that is shed in it, except by the blood of the one who shed it, so in keeping with God's law, with His own law, He will atone for the blood of His people by shedding the blood of those who are responsible. In this case, it is blood for blood, so to speak. And the angel praises God for vindicating, you know, His people who have who have been martyred, so to speak, who have died, you know, uh, at the hands of these wicked people. And the angel praises God for vindicating his people and says that the wicked deserve what they are getting. Then John hears a voice from the altar uh, respond and, praise, and this voice praises God saying that his judgments are true and just. Meaning those who are receiving the judgments are deserving of it. They have been given more than enough opportunities to avoid God's judgment by turning to him. But continue instead to reject God and Jesus and curse his name. Now comes the fourth angel. Verse 8 through 9, the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat, and they cursed the name of God, who had control over these plagues. But they refused to repent and glorify him. Maybe God somehow makes the sun burn hotter or brighter, maybe you know there's some something like some kind of intense solar flares that play a part maybe the atmosphere is damaged in some way allowing the sun and its radiation to become harmful to man who knows you know you know that part is unclear what is clear however is that god puts those who follow the beast and take his mark and worship him and worship the false beast. They take those, He takes those people and puts them under a magnifying glass, so to speak, and and allows the sun to burn their flesh and scorch them with fire. It makes me think of, you know, a, a, a kid with a magnifying glass standing over an anthill, trying to burn the ants by using the magnifying glass to amplify the sun and and focus its light into a concentrated point. I guess this in this case, God is like the kid with the magnifying glass. And the wicked, unrepentant followers of the beast are the, are the ants instead of be of begging for forgiveness or mercy, you know uh, these people will curse the name of God, the one who has control over these plagues and could stop it, they won't give him the glory he deserves, and they they won't repent, they just won't turn from their ways and this just shows the vile, wicked, unrepentant nature of man's heart when given over. To their own sin, they will curse his name no matter what evidence they are given. And this just solidifies the just judgment of God and that deservingness of the judgment on the part of the wicked who continue to reject him and deny him and deny the glory he deserves. Okay, guys, that is it for today. Monday we will finish up with chapter 16. Regarding the last three bowls of wrath, as we draw as we draw um, closer to the end, we get closer and closer. As we finish each chapter, um, we just draw closer to the return of the King, you know, to the to the reign of Christ. Um, the part that I know everybody is waiting for, you know, don't miss it. Over the weekend, catch up on any episodes that you might have missed, and join me Monday as we continue our journey through Revelation. Also please take a moment and share this podcast with anyone that could benefit from it and leave us a review if you wouldn't mind. Leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you use. Um, Also, you will find my email in the podcast description uh, on each episode so that if you want to, you can reach out to me regarding this podcast. Um, I would love to hear from you if there's anything I can do for you or anything you would like to communicate with me regarding um, uh, regarding these podcasts you can do so through that email. Okay, guys, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you so much for all that you do for us. We are blessed to be children of the Most High God. God, you are just and righteous in all your ways. And I thank you for your mercy and grace and for the love that you showed us through your son Jesus and the finished work of the cross. God, I know that the time will run out eventually and you will call your people home. God, I know the tribulation is part of your plan, and it has its purpose and many will come to you because of your work through the tribulation but but God, I pray for those who have not found salvation in in Jesus. God, I pray that you would use us to be a witness to spread the gospel and to help bring the full number into the church as the craziness of our current events continue to unfold, and people grow anxious and worried. I pray. That that you would give them strength. I pray that you would comfort uh everyone you know, who, who believes in you. I pray that you would comfort them with your shalom and your peace. I pray that all your people would remember that you are still on the throne and you were in you are in control, God, and that we are your people and you are our God. Your ways, God are higher than our ways. And God, your word says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to it and are safe. And whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Let your people find strength in your name and rest in your shadow. Amen.